It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the reboot of the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, and I'm here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Hello, everyone. We want to welcome you guys in. We're excited to get this rebooted. Um, We're going to spend a few minutes just kind of going over what our goals and objectives are with this podcast what we see out of it, and what kind of experience we're going to give you guys. Um, My name's Kevin Gray. Uh, We're a couple of small-town Western New York guys. Uh, We just love sports, all angles of sports, and our objective here is going to be to cover the major sports, all four major professional sports, college football, college basketball. We'll even throw in some golf and horse racing from time to time. Definitely some MMA. Oh, absolutely some MMA. Um you probably will not catch us talking NASCAR. Sorry, NASCAR fans. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, so as we dig into this, you're going to get an, a true experience from us. We're going to have drinks. I, it is called the Hammered Sports Podcast, after all. Um, Tom's hosting tonight. Uh, we're recording in his in his uh, man cave here. And uh, what do you got over there? Some gin and tonic. And Taking her down. Uh, yeah, I made the mistake of not bringing my own drinks, and he gave me a Smirnoff ice smashed strawberry plus lemon. Yeah, this is this is going to be exciting. His gut rot will come way after the show's over. Maybe. <laughs> I do have a fast track in my intestines. So, as we dig into this, Tom, tell me a little bit about what you see the podcast looking like. Well, I want to start actual sports conversations. I think with us, we like to talk sports all the time. We see something, we call each other right away. Hey, did you see this? What do you think about that? Um, situations come up in sports all the time that you are just can't believe the, the outcomes or you can't believe the decisions other teams make. And we're going to talk about them here, give our opinions, and we, we want you guys to, to hear that and think about it yourself. And, you know, call your buddy up later and be like, hey, I just heard these guys talking, and they said this, that, and what do you think about it? And really just catch the bug for sports. You know, the big thing for me is we're both huge podcast fans. I listen to several podcasts every week. Um, I listen to a lot of gambling podcasts. Um, I know, Tom, you you kind of visit the whole spectrum of podcasts. Yes, I'm a big into – got a couple comedy sport podcasts, even a political one or two I like to listen to. Um, but sports are, are the ones I'm big into. Yeah, I mean, sports is always what gets me amped up when I find a podcast that I'm excited about. That's what really gets me juiced up. Um with that said, I mean, let's get started. What do you say? Yeah, let's we got a lot to do today. There's there's a ton on our agenda that we put together for tonight. Uh, the first thing that we're going to look at tonight, we're going to do a little Week 17 NFL preview. Uh, we've got some teams that are locked into position, uh, but there's some really intriguing games coming up this week. A lot of outcomes. Yeah, I mean, anything can happen. You have Baltimore at the number one seed and Buffalo at the number five seed in the AFC. And then you've got Minnesota guaranteed with a six seed in the NFC. And that's it. That's it. Everything, Everything else can change. That, I mean, how much f- more fun can you have in week 17 of the NFL? There are a lot of years where there is just <laughs> not much at stake. Yeah, there's a lot going on this week, and we kind of broke it down by time slot. So the first few games we're going to go over are all at 1 p.m. Um, they're all going to be playing at the same time, scoreboard watching just with the rest of us. So, Yeah, let's, let's kick it off with uh, – New Orleans, uh, they're going to be at Carolina. That's a 1 o'clock start. Uh, New Orleans can be the number two seed based on a number of scenarios here. 
uh, should New Orleans win and Green Bay loses, or New Orleans wins and San Francisco loses, or New Orleans ties and has a Green Bay loss or a San Francisco loss. Anything else for San Francisco? And um, oh no, actually, if they lose and Green Bay wins or ties, they they could still be the two seed. Yeah. Anything else, and they they slide to number three. So that's it as far as they'll fall. It's uh, I mean, that's a lot at stake for a team. You know, the getting that first round by can mean a lot. Um, I know that the Patriots aren't going to let their foot off the gas this week against Miami because they want that bye week. That extra week to prepare can mean so much in the NFL. Yeah, the the week to prepare, the week to get healthy, and just only one other team will you have to travel on the way to the Super Bowl. The three or four seed, they they find their way to that championship game, you're at home, and everyone's seen what they can do at home. I wouldn't want to have to travel there. Yeah, so, Tom, give me your first impression when you think about this Saints-Panthers game this weekend. Uh, I think the Carolina, uh, are they're, st they're starting Will Greer at quarterback. I imagine New Orleans is going to win this pretty easily. They may even be able to get Drew Brees out of the game early. Uh, I, I just don't see Carolina with a lot to play for. They got a, a head coach has already been fired this year. Will Greer's, again, making his start. I don't see much out of them. Yeah, he started last week. Yeah. Um, he had a rough go of it. It, it was not um, a stellar performance. No. Um, the team – they didn't respond well to the firing of Ron Rivera. No, he's a he's a player's coach. I think everyone everyone really liked him. I mean, he, Riverboat Ron, he's willing to do what it takes to try to get some wins. So, And, you know, it, it means so much. It, it's so much about motivation and situations for teams that are out of it when they can't make the playoffs anymore. And it, it tells me, obviously, the, the gentleman that's in the interim role there, um, I couldn't even tell you his name off the top of my head, um, but he is – He's not going to stick around. As he's not going to get the job in the long term. Um, so that's one intriguing opening uh, in the head coach ranks. Uh, we're going to delve in a little bit later into the uh, Black Monday preview where we talk about the, the teams that uh, the coaches that are going to lose their jobs, essentially, or who we think may lose their jobs. When I look at this Panthers-Saints game, I, I really do not see a direction that the Panthers can give the Saints a run at all. Um, to me, you're going to see a walkover in this game, and the only thing that New Orleans has to be afraid of is suffering some kind of catastrophic injury for some of their key players early. Uh, you don't want to see anything happen to Michael Thomas, who was limited earlier this week. Sounds like he's a full participant now. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to see anything happen to Drew Brees, though Teddy Bridgewater did a great job. But Drew Brees is playing some of the best ball of his life right now. Yeah, he's playing really well. Him and Michael Thomas are something else to watch. Yeah, and, um, you know, it, the scenarios that they face, they, they have two opportunities, um, you know, and one of those is uh, Seattle beating San Francisco. Um, th there's a great possibility of that happening, so um, we'll delve into that game here a little bit later. But, um, yeah, I think we're both on the same side here, and I think that the Saints are probably going to win comfortably. Yeah. Um, the next one, we have Green Bay at Detroit, also a 1 o'clock game. Green Bay is an interesting one. They can win the one seed if they win, and Seattle beats San Francisco. They can go to the two seed if they win, but San Francisco beats Seattle. And they can actually fall all the way to the three seed with they lose, and New Orleans beats Carolina. So a lot of options, two chances for a first-round bye and a chance to have to be playing next week in the wild-card round. Yeah, and – you know, this Green Bay team hasn't impressed me much throughout the course of the season. Um, 
they've had some games where they just look like they're completely overmatched. I mean, yeah. I think they lost, what, 37 to 8 to San Francisco earlier this year. Uh, there was an article earlier this week that I saw uh, was posted about Green Bay being the best team in the NFC right now, and I think that that's recency bias. You know, teams, yeah. guys see recent performances, but I, I just don't see it with that group um, as a, a team that's going to make a super late run in the NFC. When I look at Green Bay, I see the opposite. I see a team that could really run the ball, which they haven't done much with Rodgers' career there, really, and a team that can get after the quarterback. And when you're in the playoffs, if you can run the ball, get after the quarterback, and then you throw in a, a Hall of Famer like Aaron Rodgers, I, I think they can beat anybody, um, especially if they're coming to Lambeau. I mean, I wouldn't – if you're if you're San Francisco, do you really want to go to Lambeau in the middle of January to try to head head to the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, you, you'd really be putting somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo under the microscope in that situation. I mean, he's uh, so far he's passed every test that's been in front of him. Uh, there's been a little bit of struggle lately, but I think that comes from the challenges that they faced. They had a brutal stretch of games uh, that led to that letdown against Atlanta, and now because of that letdown, uh, I think that they're being looked at. You've seen two weeks in a row where they just haven't looked like the same team. Um, yeah, we'll get to San Francisco a little bit later when we talk about the Seattle game, but I, I feel like they're similar to Green Bay, getting after the quarterback, running the football. I would just put Rodgers ahead of Garoppolo. Yeah, well, there's no doubt that that, that is the case. Um, I would still certainly trust Rodgers more than Garoppolo. Um, you know, so in that game, Detroit has <laughs> not looked good. No. They have not looked good. I mean, David Blau um, – he struggled to keep his job as a starter at Purdue. Right. Uh, when you can't keep your job as the quarterback at a middling Big Ten school uh, under a head coach and Jeff Brom that makes quarterbacks look good, <laughs> I, I can't see him being any kind of long-term answer, and, and I think he'll struggle to even stay in the league after this. It's a hot take. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, he – He's overmatched. I, I think you would just watch. There's a few quarterbacks this season who have been thrown in there who just are not NFL starting quarterbacks, and they've had to play, and it's, it's been one of those years where we've got a lot of quarterback injuries. And so you've got to see, you know, Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges and Kyle Allen. <laughs> Kyle Allen and yeah, Brandon the Gardner, Allen. The Gardner Minshew, although he looks like he might be better than – most of them in that bunch you just mentioned but yeah i think he can stick around i think yeah. he's got a at least a uh backup career he's got ahead a little fitzpatrick to him i feel yeah yeah i don't know i mean ryan fitzpatrick's something else when you <laughs> when you watch him yeah. and you know as a dolphins fan i've seen a lot of fun moments throughout a, the course as of a bills season. fan i too have seen yeah. a few fitzpatrick games in my it's life it's something else and his character and, and personality they just right it, it's really fun to watch so, um, you know, I think we're also I, – I, I don't think there's a lot of surprises to be expected from, from some of these games. I think no. the games that you expect to be close are probably going to be close. The ones that look like teams are completely overmatched, I think that's what we're going to see. Yeah. Um, next on the docket, we have Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. On the line for Kansas City, if they win, they will clinch the two seed with a New England loss. They can be the three seed with a win and a New England win. They can also be the three seed with a loss and a Houston loss. And they could be the four seed with a loss and a Houston win. So 
there's a lot of movement possible for those Chiefs in this game this weekend. And, uh, you know, I, I really wouldn't put it past the Chargers to go all in in an effort to make things difficult yeah, for them. This is one of those games where the team that needs the win needs to be aware. Uh, the Chargers, they never seem to let down. I mean, Phillip Rivers, he's been really rough to watch this year, but he's still capable of having a great game. They have Keenan Allen, um, who just catches everything. Melvin Gordon's back with Eckler. They're just a two-headed monster in the backfield right now. So, I mean, I would still pick Kansas City to win, but it's definitely one of those ones you look at and go, well, I would not be surprised if the Chargers pulled that upset. It's their, it's their Super Bowl, as, as they say. It's the last game of the season. Show everyone that, hey, we're not as bad as our record maybe indicates. Yeah, and, you know, Anthony Lynn is fighting for his job there. It's all going to depend on how they respond to him at this point. I don't know uh, what his future holds because I don't really see any performance based on the talent that's on that team. I mean, you're talking about a team that's got Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and uh, Derwin James in the secondary. Uh, it, it should be a much more talented team with the pieces that they have. Uh, there, there are key positions that are loaded with talent on that team and they're still not able to get these wins. Yeah, I think this year more than any since I've seen the Chargers play in a while has is, is really fallen on Rivers. He's turned the ball over, and it's not just the amount of turnovers, it's when he turns it over. So many times driving to win games or uh, driving to score before the half, and he just ridiculous throws that are picked off. They're not. We're not talking about him in duress and just trying to make a play. He's just throwing some of these balls up there. Yeah, you know, I, I want to take a second now to um, – kind of reset we're, we're on a thursday night here um it's december 26th we've got the knicks brooklyn nets game on looks like the knicks are going to take down the nets they're up 13 uh with 26 seconds left and then we've got the uh quick lane bowl in detroit uh with eastern michigan taking on uh pittsburgh uh eastern michigan the boys from ypsilanti they've got the lead 20 to 17 uh i'm an interested party here because i've got a uh, plus 14 ticket on Eastern Michigan tonight, so I'm feeling pretty good right now. Uh, save for one, I guess, deep ball that I missed on my commute over here. Uh, Eastern Michigan's looked pretty good tonight. Yeah, you would not have liked this this play. 96-yard touchdown pass for yeah, a team that doesn't throw the ball very well. Those are the moments that you know just raise your blood pressure as a sports gambler. Um, so, you know, as we continue through the docket here on Sunday – um, one of the things that we wanted to do is we're going to make some picks. Uh, we're going to try to make this interactive and fun. Um, I was brainstorming some ideas today, and I think that it could be a great time to create some DraftKings contests, and, you know, maybe we can get some of the listeners to jump in with us. And, you know, there'll be free contests, or, you know, we're going we're gonna to start to build up some merch, and, you know, maybe we can give away things like that um, as we get down the line and, and get our listener base up and, Hopefully you guys like what we're doing here, and, and we want to keep you guys involved in, in everything that we do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the, the more listeners we have and the more interaction we have with them, that you're going to be able to spark conversations here, give us ideas about things we should talk about, just sending us questions that, hey, did you guys see this? Hey, what do you guys think of this? And, you know, a lot of those are going to end up right here on the podcast where we have that conversation, and you can hear what our thoughts and opinions on are on those big things in the, in the sports world. Absolutely. 
So uh, let's keep rolling now. Um, in that game, though, I'm going to say I think the Chiefs are going to win. I, I think they're yeah. going. I think they're going to, you know, get Rivers in trouble. That Kansas City defense has really turned a corner since their bye week. They have been unbelievable, and it's not what we thought was going to be the strong point of that team. About six weeks ago, I was talking, and I, I really felt like a healthy Patrick Mahomes with that group when he comes back from that knee injury that he suffered. Um, if you get that guy healthy. That's not the guy I want to see coming into my building to beat me in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I think they're good in this game. I, I do worry about them in the playoffs. Um, can they stop the run good enough to, to make it through three games? Get to can the they run Bowl? the ball? And then can they run the ball? Yeah, exactly. I think in, in the playoffs you have to be able to do more than one thing. Um, so we'll see. I think they are going to get it done against San Diego or Los Angeles. Yeah. It's well, one demerit. Who know, yeah, and who knows that uh, – that team could end up in Salt Lake City next year for all we know because <laughs> they can't get anyone to come to their games. Yeah. Next, so game. next game up, Miami Dolphins at New England Patriots. The New England Patriots can be the two seed and a first-round bye with a New England win or tie or a New England loss and a Kansas City loss or tie. New England can be the seat three seed if New England loses and Kansas City wins. So, you know, the big thing for them is – the game's at the same time as Kansas City, so they don't get the advantage of knowing sure. the outcome. That means they're going to have to you know, load the chamber and have everybody out there and going. Oh, many times in Week 17, they are on the bench resting. Or, you know, Belichick actually has a history of playing his guys when he's going to have a bye week in Week 17. Sure. Um, and I heard an interesting conversation about that today on uh, R.J. Bell's Dream Podcast uh, where they were talking about guys who – believe that giving two get two weeks in a row off to a, to players is taking them out of their norm. You know, guys are used to having a bye week, but to have two consecutive weeks off for the entire team uh, can be a little bit problematic because now you're doing something that you're not used to at all. And especially if you're a hot team, maybe if you're starting to struggle down the stretch, it could be advantageous or you have injuries that need to heal up. Uh, but in this case, they don't have that luxury anymore. Uh, they're going to have to come out and try to win that football game. Um, an interesting point that I heard is maybe expect New England to just put the hammer down in the first half and, you know, relax a little in the second half. And, you know, it may be a good spot to, at halftime, fire on Miami if you're into the gambling piece. Um, if you if you want to get action early on New England, fire New England first half. Th those may be great angles to get at for at really any of these games where a team is – New Orleans and, and Carolina in the same spot where they're clearly overmatching the opponent. Um, and once they get a comfortable lead, maybe they can rest some of those guys and get them ready. Yeah, I think uh, I think New England knows what they have to do. They win, they get the bye. I think as you know, Brady's a little older and they're banged up. Edelman's hurt. Their old line is a mess. I, I think they really could use that bye. So I think they're really going to go all out after it. And, yeah, I can see them being up a few touchdowns at halftime and saying, all right, call off the dogs. Let's just let the defense do what they do, and we'll we'll ride this one out and take take a week off in Massachusetts where it's terrible to be. Now, <laughs> that being said, uh, Brian Flores' Dolphins got their teeth kicked in against New England early this season. You know he hasn't forgot that. There's no doubt in my mind that he remembers the beatdown that they took. And this team in Week 17 is much more capable than that team that they faced in Week 2. It, it's 
it may be time for Flores. He, he's going to pull out all the stops here. I would not be surprised to see fake punts, fake field goals, you know, yeah. uh, wide receiver passes, you know, a- anything you can think of. Uh, it's, it could be very unpredictable. Yeah, I think I do think that Miami's going to give them their best shot. I just I don't know if they have enough left on offense to, to really challenge that defense. They're, that defense when they're playing is so good. You got to think Gilmore just keeps Parker under wraps. You know, Parker will have a couple catches, but, you know, three for 40 is really not going to get it done. Yeah. And I don't know if they can run the ball well enough to. They can't run the ball at all. Yeah. They, can't, they can't run it against the local varsity squad. <laughs> it is the most pathetic running game well, I've ever witnessed in the NFL. Well, they traded away Drake, and I, I just don't know what their plan was after that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it seemed like. You know, they were going to try and give it a go with uh, Kalen Balaj from yeah. Arizona State. Um, he has shown next to nothing. He's, I think he may uh, set the record for um, yards per least yards per carry uh, based on a qualifying number sure. this year. It, it was uh, an embarrassing performance from him. Now, it, you can't put it all on him. The offensive sure. line is putrid there, too. Um, I do not think I've ever seen Balaj break a tackle, though. No, it's awful. He, j- it, he gets hit and falls. It, which did not seem to be the case in college. I don't know what's happened to him at this. He's just never taken that next step. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can sit here and talk about the Dolphins all night long, but nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> no. So um, I think we're looking at New England comfortably. Yeah. Uh, probably, you know, something in the neighborhood of 38 to 17. Yeah, I think that the Dolphins could get some late scores and, and make it interesting, but that's probably what we're looking at. Yeah, and moving on, I think we have – we start to get to the really good – meat of what could happen here uh, we start with the 425 slate first one up Pittsburgh Steelers at Baltimore Ravens again we talked about it the Ravens have the one scene locked up they have a bye next week nothing's changing that anybody that wants to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC is coming to Baltimore um, but Pittsburgh has everything on the line they're either six seed or they're out you hear that Tom you got a fresh one over there here we go um, so Pittsburgh they can get the six seed with a bunch of ones. If they win and Tennessee loses or ties, they're in. If Pittsburgh ties and Tennessee loses, they're still in. They can even get in with a loss. If they lose and Tennessee loses, plus Indianapolis wins and then Oakland loses, Pittsburgh's in. If Pittsburgh loses, Tennessee loses, Indy and Oakland win, they can still get in with a strength of victory versus Oakland, which means they would need Minnesota, Green Bay, Kansas City, and Miami all to win. A lot of different options for Pittsburgh. The easiest is win your game and see what else happens. What was that uh, situation where Oakland could still make the playoffs? Is that still on the table? Yeah, we're going to get to it here. It, they're, it they're is on here, yeah. Yeah, they're on, yeah. They're on here. They're, they got a bunch of ways. That last one for Pittsburgh is the most ridiculous, though. That strength of victory. They, they would need all those games to go that way, and then four of those games would just have to – the right team would have to win to give them the strength of victory tie against <laughs> Oakland. Yeah. Now – I brought this up to you earlier today while we were doing a little prep work. If you're John Harbaugh, do you bury your division opponent this weekend? Or do you go ahead and say, this is the weakest team that's going to get into the playoffs out of the potential contenders to make that sixth seed? Um, I'm going to see that sixth seed in the second week if they pull off a first-round upset. So do I want the weakest team or do I want the team that I think could possibly beat the three seed? Right. Because Kansas City. Right. As of today. More than likely Kansas City. Yeah. So 
Um, you know, I don't think that Pittsburgh stands a chance going into Arrowhead with Duck Hodges tossing the ball around. Or Mason, you know, they keep flip-flopping back and forth, though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know Rudolph's health situation after that injury he took this week. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, if I'm Harbaugh, I think I'm putting these guys out of their misery now because I want Kansas City to t- face the toughest matchup possible in the first round. I want to see them face a team that could potentially beat them. I don't want them on cruise control through that first week. And I think that that Pittsburgh matchup is cruise control. But you send the Tennessee Titans and this resurgent team that that has just completely turned their season around under the guidance of Ryan Tannehill, that team has a chance against Kansas City. I think if if I'm coaching the Ravens, I'm not worried about the Steelers at all. I want to do what I think is best for the Ravens. I don't want Lamar Jackson to get hurt, but I don't want that offense to sit for this week and next week. So I, I get them out there. I get them a few drives, see how they look, let them stretch their legs, you know. But I'm not keeping them out there for the whole game. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm not worried about who comes to play me. I'm the number one seed for a reason. I just think that as the coach, you have to do what's best for your guys to make sure they're ready for whoever shows up, pulls into the parking lot. Yeah, you you sound like a coach right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm worried about my guys. I'm yeah. worried about my team. I I don't believe that guys don't think ahead or try to do any of that kind of future planning. I think that they ta- they say that they do, and it sounds good. Uh, but I think that you're nuts not to think about that a little bit. Is is if you know how talented your team is, and you know your team's gonna could win this week, and you can send Pittsburgh home, a Pittsburgh team that's tormented them at times, that's that's been great in that division for a number of years, and you can send them home now. I send them home now. Now it looks like the writing's on the wall, and Jackson's gonna sit out. Um, that's the the reports that we're hearing yeah. right now. Um, so he's gonna run RG three out there, and RG three can still run that same offense. So the other guys that are out there will still get similar reps. Um, but you can rest the Mark Andrews and the Lamar Jackson, yeah. the Mark Ingram, those key components to it, and still get some of those reps for the other key members of the team. Yeah, I just think if you're a head coach, you have so much to worry about in-house, that worrying about stuff you have no con- real control over that's going to happen next week or the week after, I'm not, ev- I'm, I'm not even going to worry about all that. And I know it sounds like coach speak, but the, it's coach speak for a reason. It makes sense to control what I can control. They don't care. Pittsburgh, Tennessee – They'd be favored by a touchdown in either of those games. They're not worried about it. Yeah, I mean, I just think that Kansas City, you're not going to be favored by a touchdown. You might be favored by four or five, um, and a talented Kansas City team is not the one that I want to see in the championship game. Granted, that's a long ways down the road. It's a long ways down the road. But just I guess this is the way that my head works is if I can set up the scenario the best I can down the line, that's what I'm going to try to do for myself. But – Again, I would not have Lamar Jackson running read option in the way that no. offense typically runs in a game that's not going to impact me. I don't even want him running down the tunnel. Yeah. If he turns yeah. an ankle, I'm, yeah. I'm just losing sleep. So Yeah, yeah. How about you just take a nice slow stroll yeah. out here, LJ? Yeah. So, you know, that that game, I don't know what kind of effort we're going to get out of the Ravens. I think that everybody else that plays on the Ravens is going to give it their best shot. And I think that this Pittsburgh team is – really really weak at this point yeah i don't think they're good enough to go in and beat baltimore even if jackson doesn't play yeah and um right now i think baltimore's getting two points in the game this weekend 
um, I, <laughs> I just can't see a way that that group doesn't really give Pittsburgh a run for their money. They, they're going to want to knock them out regardless of who's under center. Yeah, I think the defense is where Baltimore wins this game. I, I They're going to get after whoever is under center for Pittsburgh, and they're going to rattle them. They're going to get balls. They're, they're going the other way with it. I, I mean, you could see a 13-3 to three just mauling of, of the Steelers where it's just gross and yeah. bad to watch. Yeah. So, uh, next on the docket, uh, as we're both in agreement there, I think Baltimore's got enough to win that game. I think Pittsburgh's going home. And as a Dolphins fan, that tickles me because it improves the Pittsburgh draft pick that we get for Minka <laughs> Fitzpatrick. Uh, Washington Redskins at Dallas Cowboys. Dallas can be the four seed if Dallas wins and Philadelphia loses. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> the scenario. Uh, you, you're counting on the New York football giants to upset Philadelphia. It's uh, been a tough road for the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> this season. It's been a winding road. Early in the season, they looked great. Looked like a team that was going to really scare some people in the NFC. And then hit a midseason lull, and you just were like, ah, oh, they'll snap out of it. They, they got too much talent not to. And then what is Cooper on the sideline for? Is your season's on the line last week. Throwing it into the end zone on fourth down. Cooper's just sitting on the sideline. It makes no sense. No sense. It makes no sense. And Jason Garrett has made these confusing decisions throughout the entire course of his career there. Uh, whether or not he survives this season, I don't know. Even if they backdoor into the playoffs, can you keep him if they get roasted in round one? Yeah. You know, it, who would they be looking at if they if they get in? They're going to be the four seed. Minnes uh, they would be playing s the five seed, which oh, is either Seattle, Seattle maybe or San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. So all that mess. Yeah, but they'd get to host a playoff game, which is a problem in and of itself in, in the way the NFL formats their yeah. playoffs. A Seattle team going to a division-winning Cowboys team. We've never seen that before, have we? Yeah, right. So we've now got uh, – now here's what I think is going to happen in that game. I, I believe that Dallas is going to win. Sure. I think they're going to give that all-in effort. Um, I know that Washington is much improved. Yep. Uh, this is a Washington team that has, in the last four or five games, they've been as competitive as anyone. They they would be, if you simply took their last five games and stack-ranked them against the rest of the NFL, they're probably a top-ten team in the NFL. Bill Callahan has done a tremendous job since he took over there, and he's got the rookie quarterback doing nice things, a rookie wide receiver doing nice things. Um, Isn't that rookie quarterback not playing this week? Is he out? I think he is out. I have I I didn't see the report on it. So who would it be? Uh, Colt McCoy or yeah, I think Colt McCoy's starting. Yeah, Colt McCoy has gone into uh, Dallas and and pulled pulled out some uh, interesting victories over the years too. I think there was a prime time game that uh, they went into Dallas and Colt McCoy was the the quarterback and uh, they came out on top. I, if I if my memory serves me right, that was probably five years ago somewhere in there. But um, I think that Dallas does enough to win this game. I think season's on the line. I don't think the team has quit on Jason Garrett. Um, I think that maybe they should, but uh, I don't think it's happened yet. No, it's going to be Case Keenum is going to start for the Redskins. Yeah, well, so. you know, we've seen some Case Keenum in the past. Yeah, vanilla wins sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes vanilla is enough. Yeah, and maybe that'll be the case. Didn't uh, – was Case Keenum the quarterback that was slinging it when uh, 
Minnesota had the miracle against New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, he's, he's seen some big moments. But I, I think uh, I think they give Zeke the ball enough for, for the first time in a while, and they just roll through Washington and get the win and watch the scoreboard. The more interesting side to this conversation to me is the Philadelphia Giants game. Yep. Uh, when you talk about that Philadelphia action, it's at it's in New York, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, this Giants team's been interesting. You know, they they can score some points with Daniel Jones. He seems to be like boomer bust. That guy yeah. can he can have a great day, make unbelievable throws, or he throws three picks and and they're blown away by whoever their opponent is. Yeah, the Eagles seem to have gotten healthy on the defensive side, which you can kind of see in their last few games. Not allowing as many points, they're making plays. Um, again, you would think the Philly would win, but Saquon Barkley is good enough to throw a wrench in that. Daniel Jones has been making throws. Slayton has been all over the place. So, yeah, I mean, he's had a great season. Um, you know, that's a team that could they could make things interesting, and you know that they're gonna do it. They're 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 gonna give their best effort. Yeah. Um, that's another coach that's fighting for his job. Yeah, and if you have a chance to keep a division rival like the Eagles from making the playoffs, I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. I don't want them dancing on my field at the end of the game. Sure. I'll tell you that, and that's what they'll be doing. They'll they'll be celebrating in our locker room after right. the game. So uh, I don't want any piece of that. Yeah. And then the Phillies' path is easy. You win. Win and you you clinch the, the four seed. You get a home playoff game. Um, if you lose and Dallas loses, you, you still get in, which to me would be the most NFC East way for this to happen is for both of them to lose and Philly somehow hold on and, and get that four seed. Yeah, now that's something else. I mean, to, to think about the way that that NFC East has, has been this year. Um, you know, obviously I think that Philadelphia will do what it takes to, to improve this offseason. Um, they have Carson Wentz has Zach Ertz to throw to right now, and that's it. Uh, I, you know, Greg Ward is a former quarterback at the University of Houston, and right now he's he's the guy that he's targeting more than anyone else. Uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside played at uh, Stanford. He's big lumbering guy that can catch a, a high ball, but that's yeah. about all I see out of him. He's you're sure not worried about him catching catch and run. You know that's not his that's not his game. So. It uh, seems to be Zach Ertz or nobody for them right now. Yeah, it seemed to be a problem for Philadelphia for the last few years, really. Alshon Jeffrey, you know, he's good for what he's good for, but... He can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. He's not a deep threat. He's going to catch... He's really good on third and six. He uh, cost me a win in my fantasy league. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Fantasy league, you know, I need nine points. Nine points on it was Monday night, right? You yeah, pull a hammy. Yeah, no, it was an ankle. You know, and now he hasn't played since, but he needs nine points. He's got no injury designation going into the game. End of the first quarter, he non-contact goes limping off the field, gets driven off on a cart, and up in smoke go my playoff chances. And the guy that beats me goes on to win the championship. I'm sick to my stomach over it. I hate that guy. <laughs> so. Uh, next on the docket, um, we got to go back one to the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. <laughs> and uh, you know what I'm seeing here: uh, Tennessee Titans at Houston Texans. Houston is in an interesting situation. Yes, because they are also an interesting spot. Be 
because that Kansas City outcome is going to be in the books already. They could walk on that field with absolutely nothing to play for. Yep. Uh, should that scenario take place, I think Tennessee wins comfortably. Yeah. Um, but, again, here is that same kind of logic I was using with Harbaugh. That Tennessee team beats you. Now they go in and play uh, Kansas City next week. That puts you in a situation where those two teams potentially beat up on each other. You know you're not going to have to see Tennessee. Tennessee's going to have to get through two two wins to get to you, and you've already shown you can beat them on their field. Um, you know that you would host them sure. in the AFC championship game. So I, I think that that's got to be on guy like Bill O'Brien's mind. He's got to say, yeah, this is this is a situation that's going to work better for me. I I try not to figure out what's on Bill O'Brien's mind. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. I'm not sure there's much on there. Yeah, he just kind of goes with the flow, picks his quarterbacks at random. Um, I don't know. I think I think it, it is interesting because if you see Kansas City winning by 20 points, and you're in warmups for the Texans, do you just say, "Pull everyone, like screw yeah, it, take a seat." Where I'm, I'm not putting Watson out there. No, I could even tell you who their backup is, but it ain't good. No, absolutely not. And you know, I think that uh, there's a, a monster parlay out there that you could hammer with uh, Kansas City and uh, Tennessee. I, I, sure. I, I'm parlaying those two teams together because, to me, a Kansas, Kansas City, City win means Kansas a Tennessee City wins win. means Tennessee wins. That's sure. that's what I see. So uh, I'm going to have that ticket in my pocket on Sunday. I'll tell you that. There's that that's just too much of an opportunity. And Conversely, I may have a Chargers and Houston parlay because now you've got a situation where they've got everything. Houston's got everything to play for because – you know, you want to you want to get to that three seed. You want to play that six seed. You know, you're going to eliminate Tennessee, and now you're going to face probably Pittsburgh. Sure. <laughs> Give me a, a home game against them instead of having to face a, a much more difficult to deal with Buffalo team. Not to mention, you skip, you push back that date with Baltimore, that possible date. Absolutely. You push it back to the AFC Championship game instead of the divisional round. Um no, I, I think it, I think it's an easy one for the Texans. You're you're looking at the scoreboard during warmups. If it looks like the Chiefs have a shot to lose, you bring the guys out, you let it ride. Um, but if if Kansas City's winning handily, I, the, that team needs that offense to score too much to risk those guys. Um, that defense is not what it was a few years ago. Yes, I know JJ Watt's probably going to be back for the playoffs. A at what health level though is he is he going to be seventy five percent? I mean, it, he's got a, he had a torn pectoral injury. And that, how much you use the press technique sure. when you're playing that position, you know, is yeah. he going to be even a shell of himself? How many snaps is he even going to get? You know, that that's a, a great uh, talking point for people. Oh, J.J. Watt's coming back. It's, you know, watch out for Houston. You know, and I, I still don't have faith in there in anything outside of Watson and Hopkins on that offense either. Will Fuller cannot stay on the freaking football field. No, when, when all those wideouts are out there, though, they're crazy to watch. They have so much speed on that team. But with Watt, I think that you get two things if he's out there. He brings a level of intensity that I think some of that defense has to match. If you watch Texans, e even that game against Tennessee where they had everything to play for, defense looks flat. Yeah, They, they're not getting after it. Um, and I think J.J. Watt brings that out in a lot of those guys. So I think that helps. And also – I'd take 
J.J. Watt at 75% over most defensive ends in the NFL. So Yeah, I mean, I think we all would use <laughs> something else. Uh, he's been spectacular for a number of years now. So I think we both agree it, it, this game really just hinges on Kansas City, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I, I can't make an honest and, and fair selection without knowing the outcome of that Kansas City game. And that may even mean laying off the, the Houston game from a betting perspective if that ga- if that Kansas City game is not decided yet. Right. Hey, let's uh, check out that Eastern Michigan game here. I think halftime's got to be over, right? Yeah, we got caught watching some NBA action yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, next up. We got the Raiders at Denver. Oakland can be the sixth seed. Now, yeah. <laughs> when I saw all this, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And all of it happened in week 16. So, they had to have... What is it, about eight or nine potential they, they outcomes needed over the nine. course of two weeks? They needed nine separate things, four of them last week, and all four happened. Yeah, and now here we go. Uh, week 17, Oakland wins. Indy wins. Houston wins. Baltimore wins. And one of these teams win. Chicago, Detroit, Kansas City, or New England. I think New England's going to win. Yeah. Kansas City, I think, I think they're going to win. I think Kansas City's going to win, yeah. I think that Baltimore has a chance to win. I'm concerned for them in the fact that you need a Houston win, and if Kansas City wins, Houston may sure. you know, just take a seat, and now you end up with Tennessee in that sixth seat. Yeah, and that you even have the Bears playing the Vikings, with the Vikings having nothing to play for. They might be, yeah. they might be sending some people down. Best case scenario for them might be a Chargers upset of the of the Chiefs. I think that's definitely yeah. the best case scenario sure. for them because that motivates Houston to get that victory. And who's Indy played? Jacksonville. Indy, yeah, they're playing at Jacksonville. Yeah, and you know, a game of two teams that really have nothing to play for. But this Jacksonville team has not impressed me of no. late. And you know, I think Doug Marone and and Dave Caldwell are on the hot seat down there. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, so. To me, um, they <laughs> they have a chance. Handle your business. Handle your business. See what happens. And, and maybe uh, this is another one, though, that it could be determined in the 1 o'clock games before sure. they ever t- touch the field. Sure, they absolutely could know it's over. And that emotional letdown of knowing that you can't do it, I, I'd be firing on Denver at that yeah. point. I'm, I'm making a big bet on I the Broncos. Think, uh, I think Oakland making the playoffs is my favorite of all these scenarios. Oh, yeah. I think it's just hilarious. Um, they've been through a lot this season. The the hard knocks, the Antonio Brown, it's just been chaos on, on them. And they start off the first two games of the season look, looking good. Yeah. And then they just were awful in the middle of the year. And then they've strung some games together they needed and put themselves in this spot. And it would be – really fun for them to make it i'm not sure they can do anything against kansas city or houston if they do but it would be a lot of fun for them to make it for gruden to get back in the playoffs um i think that would be the most fun of all those situations there's no doubt we're we're rooting for the same thing here yeah. I, I want all these things to happen and let oakland backdoor in yeah. you know and on top of it how exciting for the fan base in oakland though you're not going to get to see them at home again uh to get to see your team in their last season in oakland before they head to vegas uh, make the playoffs, that'd be a fun run for that group and, and a nice fitting end for their, their time that they've spent in uh, Oakland. Um, so I, I think, again, this is one that's going to be hinge on the outcome 
of the one o'clock games, and if if everything went their way, they're going to be max motivated, and you know that may be enough to get by a Broncos team that hasn't been overly impressive. They've been improved, obviously, with uh, the the recent Drew Lock addition under sure. center, but I I, s- I don't think that they're a tremendous team or a juggernaut by any stretch. No, and they they have nothing to play for. I I can't imagine them putting together a really good effort. So, the final game on the docket on Sunday night football. The San Francisco 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks. Now, there are scenarios for each team here. Yeah. San Francisco can be the one seed in a first-round bye if they beat Seattle. That's it. That's it. Simple. Beat Seattle, you're the one seed. San Francisco can be the five seed with a loss to Seattle. Let's just stop there. Yeah, there is such a difference between being the one seed, having a first round bye, everybody in the NFC is coming to your house, and being the five seed where you're turning around maybe in six days on Saturday and playing on the road. Uh, That is such a big difference. And to have to play this game at Seattle with all that on the line, uh, it's a huge game. I'm very excited for this one. I can't wait to see how San Francisco comes out. Yeah, and, you know, as as I think about the game, you know, let, let's run through the rest of the scenarios here. Um, Seattle can be the one seed in a first-round bye with a win, a Green Bay loss, and a New Orleans loss. The two seed with a first-round bye with a win and a Green Bay loss. The three seed with a win, a Green Bay win. And the five seed with a, a Seattle win and uh, – well, I don't know what the other scenario was there. Just a Seattle um, loss. If they lose, they're the five seed. Okay. Oh, yeah. They, they lose the game. They're the five seed. So, um, a lot to happen there on that Sunday night game. They've done a great job flexing that into that spot um, so that we get uh, the most possible scenarios uh, going into that matchup. And the best game. I mean, you have two of the yeah. best teams in the NFL Yeah. head-to-head with the whole division on the line. Yeah. Now, I have my own feelings on this game. Um, I think that I'm in the corner of San Francisco a little more than other people are. There's a lot of talk surrounding the Marshawn Lynch return and all of this. I think it's completely overblown. I think that Marshawn Lynch has been sitting on the bench on his couch for the entire season. Yeah. Skittles, not a sponsor. Right. Exactly. And he's just parked it there. And even prior to that, over the last couple of years, He's not really shown to be the running back that he was in 2014, sure. you know, when he had 1,300 yards or whatever it was in his last season in Seattle. It, it, this is a fill-in. This is a guy yeah. who knows the offense and can come in and pass protect and take a few handoffs. I think that if you get 12 carries for 50 yards out of him, great, thank you. You know, you gave us a little over four yards a carry. You made us keep the defense honest. That's what you're going to expect out of him. I don't think you can expect a repeat of uh, that beast mode run the against earthquake. New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. So I I agree with you. I, I they had to do something. They, you know, Carson goes down. They're in a they're in a spot. So this makes the most sense. It's somebody they're familiar with. It's somebody who has history with the team. It's somebody that everyone's going to get excited about. It could, yeah. The emotional boost that it brings is enough in and of itself to maybe give them a little spark early on in the game. Now, I do know that Marshawn is a freak athlete. I've seen him do backflips on stilts before. Uh, yeah. He's crazy athletic. So, I mean, I, but to 
go into a season where everyone else is just at the pinnacle of their, you know, they're all 16 games into the season. They're ready to go and try to re- ease in there. I don't see any way he makes an impact on the Sunday night game. Right. I think if they can win and he gets a few more practices and they have a bye and, you know, two weeks in, that's when I think you see an impact from him. Is Carson done? Yeah, Carson's done. I didn't see the injury. Yeah, yeah he's I done. It, yeah. So. so, I mean, yeah, that it makes a ton of sense for them long term for sure, but the impact on Sunday night I think is minuscule. Yep. I think that uh, the 49ers are in a great situation going into this game. I think that they have the defense that's required to be uh, a problem for Russell Wilson. I think that it all hinges on whether or not Jimmy the moment is too big for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, this is obviously going to be the biggest game of his career, but Russ Wilson has been here and done it. Yeah, I mean, when we're looking at the, the last time they played, Seattle won in San Francisco. The Niners were undefeated. It took overtime, but it was it might have been the best game of the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was, uh, uh, without a doubt, I was on the Seattle side in that particular game because, uh, you know, I love to, uh, when I hear everybody on one side of, of the argument, just let me be a contrarian and go the other way. Um, but I think that San Francisco is going to learn from that. I think Kyle Shanahan is the best offensive mind in the NFL. The, the guy is just tremendous at drawing things up, scheming guys open. I think Emmanuel Sanders has been a nice piece that they've added there, and George Kittle is the best tight end in the NFL right now. Yeah, I, I, I love the San Francisco team. I think, again, what you what you need to do in the playoffs is get after the quarterback, run the ball to keep possession, and make big throws when it counts. And I think they've shown that they can do all of that. Um, I'd like them in this game too. I think that they're really fired up to avenge the loss to Seattle. I think they're really fired up to win the division and get that by, and I don't think they're going to come in late. I think Russell Wilson's good enough to keep them in it, but I, I think that's one the 49ers pull out, and hopefully it sets up a, a third game in the playoffs. I'd love to see these guys play again. but Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to get ourselves another drink here. I need to top her get, off. Get loaded up. We've got uh, the Black Monday preview still to come then we're going to dig into some college bowl games we're going to play a little pick em action here yep. um i think we're each do you want to pick every game in the college bowls yeah um other ones we we listed i think we're going yeah. uh, all the way through the first yeah uh let's look at what's on the second yeah, i think there's like one game yeah. yeah we'll see if there's anything there um and uh we'll go through the next time that we release a podcast which we plan to be right now january 3rd yep. um so Let's uh, take a couple of minutes here. We'll be back with you guys, and it'll be like we're never gone. Welcome aboard, everybody. We are back. Yes, we are. And uh, I think Tom refreshed his gin and tonic over there. A little more lubricated. Yeah, I had to switch to ice water because it's about a 45-minute drive home for me. So, you know, safety first. Absolutely. Next up, we're going to do a little digging into the Black Monday preview. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the coaches that we think are going to lose their job or whether they should lose their job. So Tom's going to kind of rapid fire through them. I'm going to rip off my thoughts, and he'll interject with what he's thinking a little bit too. So uh, what do you got for me, Tom? Yeah, well, we're going to start with who's gone already. Ron Rivera, Jay Gruden, both dismissed already this season. So we're down two. Uh, Who's next? Uh, We're going to start with some obvious Jason Garrett, um, he has 
a 556 win percentage as a Dallas Cowboys head coach, but they're only 2-3 and three in the playoffs, and he's never been past the divisional round with almost – this is a ninth full season as the Cowboys coach. Uh, what do you think? you got to think the expectations need to be higher in that town. Y- you've got a team that has a quarterback that they've got to decide whether they're going to lock up or not. You've locked up Zeke Elliott. Amari Cooper's been a great addition to that group. You've got some really talented linebackers. I think they've really been missing Leighton An- Vander Esch since he's been out with that neck injury. Uh, but Sean Lee, serviceable, and Jalen Smith has been uh, more than impressive after recovering from that devastating knee injury at the end of his career with Notre Dame. Uh, this is a uh, this is a situation where I think it's time for a fresh voice in that city. It's not so much about Jason Garrett's skill set, but sometimes a team just needs a change. Yeah. Unless you're a great like a Bill Belichick, you can't just hang on by going around 500, a little over, a little under, win the division once every three years, and right. lose in the first round of the playoffs. It's not enough. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think enough is enough with, with Jason Garrett. I think Jerry Jones sees the writing on the wall. We said earlier, I'm not even sure winning the division this year will, will be enough if they go and get embarrassed in the playoffs, lose by 10. Um, I think this is the, the year where – Jerry Jones decides I pay too much for everybody here. Moving on. My prediction, Jason Garrett fired. Agreed. Uh, Pat Shermer, um, he is 9-22 and 22 as the coach. Yuck. It's it's bad. He does have some promising talent on that team. There have been some flashes this year yep. that look like they could be exciting with the addition of some more pieces. Um this is one that I'm more on the fence about than I am with Jason Garrett. Um, I think that Shermer may deserve one more year yeah. because there's something to be said for continuity. And you're going through a quarterback change this year. There had to be some expectation that this was going to be a down season for New York. So if you end up letting someone go when they met expectations or they were right around that mark, you know, to me, it, you're you're just ruining the continuity. You're not letting guys get their guys in place, get their system in place, get people familiar, and have an opportunity to succeed. Yeah, I think this season was a mess for them, though. I think Jones right away, way too early. Yeah, guy was the starter. You know, Eli Manning, what two games they gave him? Yeah, and then they pulled the plug, and from there it was just an experiment to see how good Daniel Jones is. And now, at the end of it. I think the big question is Gettleman. Is he gone? Does he stay? Don't you think, though, that when they made that change after week two, that the expectation was this is going to be a rebuilding year, this is going to be an opportunity to get our young guy experience. He's our future. Let's get him reps. We do not see success coming this season. So let's get the young guy the experience and prepare him for next year. Yeah, I I think that that's the thought. Um, I think when you're the general manager, a quick – way to buy yourself another season is a change at head coach so i'm not sure what the situation is there but i mean i just think they're a mess I, I think Shermer gets one more year I, I think he gets another opportunity he may not get the whole year if things go sideways early um, but they're going to get an early draft pick they're going to get an impact player on that team sure uh, presumably anyways and uh, they they certainly have some areas that need some improvement so um you have a lot of talent on that team. Darius Slayton's come out of, come from out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, you Ingram's know, when awesome. Evan Ingram is healthy, he's as good as they get at the, for a receiving tight end. Yeah. And uh, Daniel Jones has shown flashes of being great, not to mention Saquon Barkley in that backfield and yeah. his talent and all the skills that he has. 
uh, to me, I, I give Shermer a shot to start the season next year. Uh, moving on to Doug Marone. So Doug Marone had a great run. They made the AFC Championship game. Went 2-1 and one in the playoffs since he's been there. But overall, he's 21-28. and 28. Last season, 5-11. and 11. This season so far, 5-10. and 10. Um, We might already have the answer to this one. Shad Khan has come out and said that he would prefer to keep Dave Caldwell and uh, Doug Marone on this staff. Um, I think barring a disaster this weekend where they get run out of the building, I think that could be the, the final straw. But if you see a good effort from this group on Sunday, this is one of the few that I think could determine whether or not he gets fired on this Sunday in a meaningless game. Does he get his group motivated enough to compete and play hard and deserve another opportunity next year? I think if you're Jacksonville, you have to be crazy to keep him. You have one of the best corners in football, Jalen Ramsey. Refuse to play. Just, he's done. He quit. And... Whether it was Marone's fault or Ramsey's fault, you can argue all day. We'll never know. But if you're a free agent and you're coming down to Jacksonville or one of these other cities and you're going, yeah, what was all that? And I, I think that has a lot to do with bringing people in. And I, I just don't think that it makes sense to keep someone who's lost double-digit games two years in a row, chased your best player out of town. He's, uh, he's had quarterback hell there for the last few years, though. Um, you know, th this Foles situation where he went down and, and Minshew showed an early spark. Sure. But, uh, you know, I think that like many other young quarterbacks, they figure out your weaknesses at this level and exploit them on defense. Uh, everybody looks at the adjustments teams can make on offense. These defenses are darn good. Yep. And they'll see the weaknesses in, in the flaws in a quarterback and they'll expose them after initially being shocked by what they are, were able to do. But you're looking at Foles again next year, too. Yeah, and if Foles stays healthy, I think he's a guy that can certainly, you know, Super Bowl MVP, you know, he's done uh, a lot of interesting it's things. It's a lot there different offense they ran in Philadelphia than what they're yeah. putting out there. Th this could be a situation where he needs to bring in a high-profile yeah. offensive coordinator. You know, somebody like that, he may have to, you know, somebody may have to be the uh, the victim here that, that has to kind of take sure. accountability for this, and that could be those coordinators, and um, they may have to bring in a fresh staff. Is Doug Marone's personality too harsh to uh, accept the fact that they're going to say, you got to fire your offensive and defensive coordinators and bring in some new blood? Yeah. I mean, he he's a, a hard-nosed, stubborn type guy. Yep. Uh, Kurt with the media, he's <laughs> he's just not a uh, friendly face yeah. <laughs> by any stretch. He's hard on his players. Um, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting decision that they have to make there. My guess is he gets one more year but may have to make some changes in the, in, on his staff. Um, next we're going we're gonna to talk about Dan Quinn. Um, he's 3-2 and two in the playoffs. He, did, of course, lost in the Super Bowl. Um, overall, 42-37. and 37. Last year, 7-9. This year, they're 6-9. and nine. Um, what, do you, what do you think about this with Matt Ryan, their window closing? I think the resurgence, resurgence that they had late in the season – is going to be enough to keep him around. I mean, that performance in San Francisco, uh, some of the the uh, growth that you've seen from the group over the last, whoa, look at this run by Eastern Michigan. <laughs> we've, we've still got this college bowl game here with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's tied at 20, so uh, we got a heck of a game going on here. So uh, uh, the quarterback for Eastern Michigan, Tanner Glass, just took it up the middle on a little uh, – 
fake pass, quarterback draw, picked up about 30 yards right up the gut. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that resurgence in Atlanta is going to be enough. I think that uh, that defense has come alive. Uh, things that we weren't seeing out of them early in the season, they're pressuring quarterbacks like you wouldn't believe. And should this type of performance continue out of that defense, this is a playoff team. This is a 10-11 win team next year. And I think that if you change coaches and change systems, you could be looking at regression. No, I agree. I think Quinn's safe. I think that he's shown over time that he's good. I think that his players are really going to bat for him in the media recently. Um, they want him there. I think with the window closing, like you said, you, you don't want to shake it up too much. You are good. You need to really beef up some areas. That secondary could use some help. Um, and then to be healthy, they, they had a bunch of injuries on defense. Maybe figure out what they want to do with a running back. You've had multiple running backs there, and, and they just don't seem to stick with one, kind of bounce around too much. So, But I, I think he's safe. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. Uh, who we got next? Matt Patricia. Hasn't made the playoffs. 9-21-1. That's good for a three oh six win percentage. And this is another guy that got a vote of confidence from the ownership there in Detroit already. Um, you know, I'm not sure why. Uh, there must be something that they see internally that they like. Um, I think that at, at this point they're going to be better off moving on. Yeah. I don't think that Matt Patricia is the guy, but it's um, it seems like they're going to give him another shot here. Well, I'm with you. If, it, if I'm the owner of Detroit, I'm finding a new coach. Um, I, they do not look good in many games. Um, yes, they've had a ton of injuries this year. Obviously, Stafford broke his back. Um, yeah, that's not easy. You no. know, you're you're going you're running David Blau out there, and I think that's a big part of why uh, he's going to get another shot. But they weren't good before he got hurt. And no, no doubt. You know, when you're looking at the division, even you are dead last in that division, and it's not close. They've been without Carryon Johnson for a while yeah, as well. Too, right? You know, they lost him early in the year. Yeah. Those are two key cogs to that offense, and yep. you know, making them effective. I uh, I think that this is a team that could see a quick turnaround if the health you know, kind of swings their way next year. A couple of devastating injuries like that can really change your entire season. Um, I do like some of the pieces that they've got at wide receiver. I love their tight end situation. Um, you know, Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa, looks T like he's going to be great. TJ Droppinson. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, he, he's a guy that can play football. Um, I think that he's going to – He's guys can be cured of that. Guys can sure. be cured of that. Sure. But Absolutely. Um, you know, Marvin Jones Jr. is a really nice piece there that they've got. Um, Galladay. Kenny Galladay looks yeah. great. Amadola's solid in the slot. Yeah, and I think that just leads back to the how are they so bad. Yeah, well, right now <laughs> I think it's just no real running game. Bo Scarborough's been floating around the NFL for a few years now, and he's <laughs> yeah. getting the, the bulk of the carries. Um, David Blau, like I talked about earlier, not the guy. Uh, not even a backup in this league, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, as we talk here, uh, Eastern Michigan just punched it in and has taken the lead over Pitt. This is a team that was getting 13.5 points in this game. Uh, I bought it up to 14 just to be on the safe side, but they got a great shot at winning this game outright. What uh, you next. Got? What you got? Anthony Lynn. Uh, he's an interesting one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 26 and 21. Yeah. As a as a coach there and one and one in the playoffs. Um I think it, 
if I'm the Chargers, I'm going to a new place. I am hitting reset on everything. I'm trying to move on from Rivers, start fresh there. I'm just everyone must go. Yeah, you know, it, it, it probably is time to just push the reset button there. Yeah. Let let's uh let's see what uh new coach, potentially a new quarterback can do in that town. Right. Not may not even have to be a drafted guy. You know, maybe sure. somebody like Cam Newton would like to take a run in LA. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. There are options out there this right. year. Um this is certainly a situation that I think that the underachieving that we've seen in San Diego this year, and I talked about their talent a little bit earlier, I, I think it's time to mm. you know, start with someone new, get some new ideas, new face in there, a uh, new message for that group. Um, because with all that talent, whoever does get that job, uh, they're, they're in a great situation. All right. So then we have some – interesting coaches who are in their first year that we want to talk about first with freddie kitchens uh six and nine with the browns a ton of issues big expectations this season the offense has regressed uh baker mayfield's regressed and odell beckham's throwing tantrums on the sideline what do you think about his odds of staying on i think that they're gonna let the guy stay i don't know how but i think they're gonna let the guy stay it's hard to be a one-and-done coach in this league. It, it is hard. Um, and granted, there have been a lot of issues, a lot of chaos in that locker room that comes from the personalities that they have sure. on that team. They built a group around talent, and that talent has been chaos. There have been issues with Mayfield, Landry, Beckham, Miles Garrett with the conk. You know, there's just yeah. – <laughs> there and, and Freddie's reaction to Miles Garrett, he's very supportive of his player, which is great. you got to do that. But to be wearing, you know, anti-Steeler shirts and stuff like that to press conferences, just really feeding into that. I don't know if you're helping. Yeah, I don't think he's prepared to be a head coach in this right. league, but I don't think he's going to get sent home like he should. No, um, Zach Taylor, the old one and fourteen. Speaking of uh, one and duns are hard. This is one that I would support. I think that this yeah. guy is uh, overmatched. Um, I don't think that he has what it takes to lead these men. Uh, I don't think that he his schematics just don't seem to right. make any sense to me. I don't see how that team going into the season, I expected them to be maybe a five-win team, but they, they've shown absolutely nothing. You know, when you look at a lot of their games, they've hung around in and the first half and then just haven't made adjustments. The other team has made adjustments, and they have not, and they've they've gone away in the second half in a lot of these games, and that's that's coaching. When you have somebody as talented as, you know, Joe Mixon, Andy Dalton, you know, I know AJ Green's been gone, but they still have a lot of good wide receivers. Tyler Boyd's a great Ross player. Ross is good. Ross yeah, is very Ross good. Ross is very good. Yeah, that that's one in fourteen is inexcusable with this group. Um, I think that they start over. I think they say, all right, we're gonna. Draft Joe Burrow. We're going to get somebody else in yep. here to lead the ship and uh, see if we can't turn this thing around quick. Yep. Um, we're moving on to somebody near and dear to your heart, Adam Gase. Six and nine, a lot of injuries. Seems to have a lot of issues with the front office, between the front office and him. How do you think that shakes out? Adam Gase, uh, you know, having seen him as the Dolphins head coach, he – 
did not endear himself to anyone in Miami. Um, the media, the players, the members of lead of man management in the team. He continues that trend now. This is a guy that has shown an arrogance that he doesn't rightfully deserve to have. I mean, for, yeah. for him in the media this week to come out and say that he was overheard saying, I have more mo or I'm so effing rich or whatever it yeah. was he was saying. Uh, come on, man. Like, I get it. You know, you're, you're you need a certain level of confidence and bordering on arrogance to be successful and to lead these groups. But in the NFL nowadays, it's about these players liking you as a, as a yeah. head coach. If they don't like you and respect you, then they're certainly not going to follow you. I mean, I think that's the issue that Doug Marone runs into, trying to be a disciplinarian. Yeah. It, it doesn't carry on with this generation of players. Yeah, I think when your head coach has a burner account so he can talk poorly about the management decisions and who he has on his team, I think it's time to go. Yeah. I, mean, to, I didn't want Le'Veon Bell to I'm not sure they got the D tackle I wanted this year. I mean, you got to go. I can't see success for yeah. this guy long term. You have those conversations behind closed doors. That's one thing. That's productive. But to have a burner account so you can talk bad about everybody, that's just craziness to me. I, will he have a long, successful career as an offensive coordinator? Probably. Yeah. But it, he's not meant to be the leader of an organization. So that's where we're at. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out very soon. Uh, next time we talk to you guys, we'll have a pretty good understanding of who stays, who goes, and – We'll, we'll see how close we were. Uh, next, we're going to dive into some college football bowl games. It's the best time of the year. Yeah, I mean, let me tell you, I am a huge college football fan. It is, uh, it's become so exciting to me to watch this game over the last several years. Um, you know, I really jumped into college football in the early 90s. Uh, I picked up Auburn as my favorite team back then. Um but now I'll watch any college football when it's on TV. To me, it's uh, it's an exciting game. It's an opportunity to see the guys that you're going to see at the next level and get those early evaluations. You like to put on that talent evaluator hat as a fan. Um, and, you know, I, I must admit, I just love to bet on college football <laughs> games. Um, as you guys can probably tell since we're sitting here on a Thursday night watching Eastern Michigan pit. Yeah, I think one of my favorite parts about college football – um, obviously the players getting to see some of them, but watching young coaches try different things and seeing a team with lesser talent come up with a scheme that's just better and being able to win a bunch of games and then watching that coach move on to a better program. I think that for college football is a lot of fun as somebody who really enjoys football. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump right in. Uh, the first bowl game we're going to cover, we're going to cover the games from uh, the 28th uh, through... Uh, January 2nd, I guess we'll, we'll go through the January yeah. 2nd games as well. Uh, not sure where we're going to land on uh, what night we're going to record. We may record on New Year's Day next week, um, so we may not have full results from our picks, but uh, we'll recap uh, what we did select on those days and um, put that out on the next pod as well. So first, uh, the 28th, we've got a full slate. I mean, there's a lot of action that day. Um, yeah. I, I, it may only what is it four, four or five four four, four games. games, but that includes the college football playoff at four yeah. o'clock and then eight o'clock. So, um, first up, 
Uh, Notre Dame against Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl. Uh, Notre Dame's favored by three and a half. Uh, what's the over-under at in that game, Tom? F- uh, over-under is 54 and a half. Okay. So we've got um, Matt Campbell and his group from uh, Iowa State coming in, uh, taking on the Irish, Brian Kelly's team. The Irish have won. They're what ten and two this ten year. Ten and two. Yeah, ten and two, and they're playing in the Camping World Bowl. I mean, when would you think you'd see that in the past? It's not good. Yeah, college college football has really changed a little bit. The landscape, <laughs> as far as the bowl games go, has really made a, a big change. Um, you know, in this game, I I think that uh, Iowa State's just going to be overmatched by some of the the speed and talent that Notre Dame has. Uh, Notre Dame's laying the three and a half. Uh, I'll take Notre Dame minus three and a half. Yeah, I'm I'm on the Irish. You know, I'm an Irish fan, so I will throw that out there so everyone knows right away. Um, they've lost two games this year um, at Georgia, at Michigan. I, I think that those are pretty reasonable games to lose, and I don't see Ohio or Iowa State on a neutral field to be as, as big of a challenge as those two. Um, next, we have the Cotton Bowl. Memphis versus Penn State. Penn State is minus seven with an over-under of 60-and-a-half. Yeah, this is an interesting game here because I don't know what the status is on KJ Hamler um, he's their you know do everything receiver that can uh, really change a game so for me th- this is a tough game to to really handicap I know Memphis can can play some great football they uh, can score they can score you know Brady White is the quarterback there in Memphis and uh, they can get it up and down the field they actually like to run the ball more than they have in years past Um but to me, uh, I think that they haven't seen anything like that defensive front that Penn State's going to bring at them. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and lay the seven with Penn State in this spot. Well, this is getting boring because I'm also going with Penn State. Uh, to me, it comes down to the schedules. When you look at the two schedules, they're not even close. Memphis has played a relatively soft schedule. Um, Penn State, you know, they've had to go run the gamut of the Big Ten schedule. So I'm, I'm taking the battle-tested Penn State Nittany Lions. All right. On to LSU, Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl, the college football playoff. LSU led by Joe Burrow. Ed Orgeron is the head coach down there. They've got themselves one heck of a season. Yeah. Uh, they've really run roughshod through the SEC. Uh, they've been challenged only a few times and not greatly. I think Auburn played them better than anyone else this yeah. season. Alabama um, scored with them for a while. Yeah, they couldn't hang late in that yep. game. Um, LSU looks like the most talented team in the country with what they've put together um, based on the schedule strength as well. I think when you look at those two things, it tells me that LSU is, is really um, – they're head and shoulders above Oklahoma. Oklahoma kind of backdoored their way into this. They got themselves in deep trouble in a bunch of games, and they managed to pull several of those out. Yeah, um, they come in at eleven and one. That one loss was ugly, though. I mean, yeah. you, you you can't take a beat down like that. They could have easily been nine and three. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you know, thirteen and a half points—that's a lot of points in the college football playoff. But I mean, do you see a way that that Jalen can? possibly keep this game close no i think lsu's defense is too good they've played some great offenses um they've limited them or they've scored way more than them so i think i'm going lsu i'm laying the points i don't like giving big big spreads but 13 and a half that's two touchdowns 
Uh, I feel they pull away. Um, the one thing I would like to mention is I feel like this is the future of college football with two starting quarterbacks who transferred from other universities in this game. Yeah, this transfer portal now has made yeah. things very interesting. You're, you're going to see this a lot more. It's going to be very common. Both of these kids started somewhere else. And Let's said, not forget Justin Fields started in Georgia too. Yep, you're gonna you're gonna find some you're gonna find a spot and you go. Yeah, there's no path for me here. W- who needs me? And both yeah, and of them have capitalized on that very well. Obviously, three out of your four teams in the playoff have yep. transfer portal quarterbacks. Um, you know, I, in this game, I absolutely hate laying that kind of number. Right. But I do not see how Oklahoma can keep up with LSU. I think LSU's got too much defense. I think they're going to be able to create some problems for Oklahoma. If you're Oklahoma and you like the Oklahoma side getting the 13.5 points, you got to like the under, I think, because Oklahoma's got to try to slow this thing down and keep yep. Burrow off the field, run a ton of read option, keep the ball in Jalen Hurts' hands, uh, run the ball where you can. But I think that they're going to try to make Hurts beat him with his arm, and I'm not sure that he can do that and with that situation. I think it just makes them vulnerable for turnovers and a real blowout. And Oklahoma's missing some starters on the defensive side, not just contributors. Yeah. Starting DN, starting safety. They gave up a lot of points with them, so yeah. it can only get worse. Yeah, I, we're both on LSU here. Um, Ohio State versus Clemson. Um, Clemson's minus two right now, an over-under of 63.6. I think this is the best game of the day. I think both teams are very good. Um what do you think on this one? So I came out a few weeks ago and told my buddies that I feel like Clemson is going to win the national championship. Uh, I think that this team plays with a chip on their shoulder better than anyone else does in, in all of college football. Dabo Sweeney is just, he finds anything to use his bulletin board material. And, you know, the fact that they're going into this game and they've got to play Ohio State, they think they should have been the one seed. They think that they laid waste to everyone except North Carolina, who played them tough in one game this year. Um, they have the, – the concern for me in this game is that that Ohio State secondary is going to be the best one that they've seen all year. Jeffrey Okuda is the best cornerback in college football, and T. Higgins isn't going to be able to up, go up and just grab jump balls, and that's what's been happening a ton for Clemson. They catch these 50-50 balls, and then they take off. Um, I, that being said, Ohio State's struggles early against Wisconsin concern me a little bit. Um, I feel like there's some – Michigan was in that game early on and then fumbled going into the end zone. Uh, they could have made that a one-score game near halftime. This, this looks like a team that's a little bit vulnerable to me, and I think that – uh, Clemson is going to be able to take advantage of them. This is going to be the best defense that, that Ohio State has faced all year. And I think that if they can't run the ball effectively, which I think is going to be a problem for them, they're going to really struggle against this Clemson defense. Yeah, I actually am going to go with Ohio State. I think that they have probably the best two players on the field with Dobbins and uh, Chase. And I just think they get after it. Um, Clemson, yeah, they're they're undefeated, but who have they who have they beaten? Yeah, that's been the argument all year long. Uh, you know, they've laid waste to everyone they've played, uh, aside from that game against UNC. But um, you know, Ohio State has played the tougher competition, and, sure. and there's no doubt about that. But I love Trevor Lawrence uh, and the fact that he's been battle tested. He's seen it all already as a freshman. 
Uh, now he gets his opportunity to come out here and prove that that was no fluke. People wrote him off in the Heisman right at the beginning of the season because he had a couple of poor games or mediocre games. Yeah. Since then, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in college football, and you know that that's an understatement. He's probably been the second best quarterback in, in all of college football uh, behind Joe Burrow. Uh, I think that they're going to play that disrespect card, and I think that they've got enough to get it done. All right. Finally picked one opposite of each other. Yeah. Well, I'm moving to Monday the 30th. We have the first responder bowl, Western Kentucky versus Western Michigan. Western Kentucky is actually a three-and-a-half-point favorite with a 54-and-a-half over. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm going to go with uh, what I've seen in the bowl so far this year. Uh, and that's been a really impressive performance from these MAC teams. This this Ma- this division has been really really good in the bowl games, you know. And, and perhaps they're starting to catch up with some of the other divisions throughout all of college football, where previously they were they were kind of known as maybe the worst league. Uh, yeah. Now all of a sudden they're winning bowl. G- they're not just getting to them and playing competitively. They're winning bowl games. Uh, Kent State's win was very impressive. UB put the hammer on Charlotte. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, just take a look here. This is this Eastern Michigan is about to beat Pitt, or you know, they're very close to doing it if they don't win the game. So you know, give me the max performance in these bowl games over the group that Western Kentucky. It, it, Western Kentucky is a nice story because they've been bad for a couple of years and they've started to turn it around. But uh, I, I'm with I'm with Western Michigan here. Yeah, I'm with Western Michigan, especially getting three and a half. Uh, I do not. If Western Kentucky wins, it's going to be by a field goal late. Yeah. So give me the three and a half. Uh, I think Western Michigan's the better team. Um, both teams are kind of new to the bowl scene. We'll see who who's in over their head and who's not. But I, I'll take the points in that one. Uh, we have the Music City Bowl, Mississippi State versus Louisville. Mississippi State is currently minus four, but we'll see if that changes here. Looks like they may be making a quarterback change. And the over right now is 63 and a half. So Tommy Stevens had been playing quarterback for them. They're going to go with, uh, I, I don't remember the kid's name. Yeah, I just saw it at the bottom line over here that they're. Yeah. Um, you know, at minus four, I'm going to take Louisville uh, plus the four. Um, I like uh, Louisville in this situation. You know, we'll judge our outcomes based on the numbers that we're picking on right now, not sure. on the closing line. Um, so the numbers that we have now are what we'll use to judge uh, how our, how we performed here in this in this little pick'em action that we've got. But um, you know, more so than the plus four in this game, give me that over sixty three and a half. I think yeah. both teams are going to score. Yeah, I actually like Mississippi State. Um, I think that defense is pretty good. They're pretty tough. Uh, Louisville. Um, lost to Kentucky 13-45 to where Mississippi State, Mississippi State beat Kentucky. So I think the common opponent I could find wants me to think that Mississippi State might be at least two touchdowns better on that game. So I'm going with Mississippi State over, over Louisville, laying the four. Uh, Louisville and Kentucky is, is like a rivalry game. It's not like a rivalry. You know, it's it's it, a pretty it, big it, rivalry. So, you know, with that, that rivalry aspect to it, I don't hold as much uh, – to that final score, um, Kentucky kind of plays a, a rough and tumble style of running game, and it didn't match up well for for Louisville in that spot. Um, I, I still think that you know I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns here with Louisville plus four. And then we have the Red Box Bowl. 
yes, they have their own bowl now. California versus Illinois. Cal is minus six and a half. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Illinois has had a great season, great resurgence under Lovey Smith. I'm so happy for that that group. I really enjoyed watching them in the Big Ten this year. But Cal is a team that is built to beat up on Illinois, if you ask me. I think that uh, Illinois hasn't faced a lot of great defenses. Um, the ones that they have, they've struggled with a bit. Um, I think that Cal is is tremendous defensively. Their struggles this season occurred when Chase Garbers was out. Now they they get their quarterback back. Um, his talent, his ability to move the ball. I expect a low-scoring game here. I think you're going to see uh, Cal to win this game somewhere like in the 24 to 13 range, 24 to 10, 24 14, somewhere in that ballpark. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the six and a half. So when I was looking at this, um, neither team is really screaming they're better than the other one to me. I like two things about Illinois. One, I like their coach. Two, I like that they were able to beat Wisconsin this season. I think if you compare the two resumes, it's the best win for either team. So I'll take the six and a half points and hopefully they can stay within a field goal here and cover. Let's take a look. What do we got next? All right. So next, um, Florida versus Virginia in the Orange Bowl. Florida is minus 14 and a half with over 54 and a half. Yeah, you know, Virginia, I think, is going to be overmatched in this spot. Um, they, they've played a couple of they, – they played a really nice game to even get to the ACC right. championship game, and then you could see how overmatched they are by a more talented team. Florida's had a great season this year. Um, you know, the big win over Auburn earlier this year that was brutal for me. <laughs> Um, you know, they, they lost a, a tough game against Georgia and uh, they lost to LSU, right? That was the other yeah. loss on their on their schedule. Uh, nothing to be ashamed of in their two losses. Uh, this is a team that under da Dan Mullen is, is going to turn the corner. They're going to be, to me, I think they're the favorites in the SEC East next year. Um, I'm going to go ahead and lay the points. I think that uh, Virginia is a team that just relies on Bryce Perkins too much, and I think that Florida's defense is going to make his day awful. Yeah, we're on the same page here. I have Florida going away. Uh, I think that they're up 10 at halftime and just continue. Um, you're you're going to make Virginia try to throw it on that secondary. Florida's so talented. They always yeah. are in the secondary, and that, this year's no exception. Yeah, absolutely. You so can't be one-dimensional on against that defense. No way. All right, moving to Tuesday, New Year's Eve's slate of games. We have... Virginia Tech versus Kentucky in the Belk Bowl. Virginia Tech is minus two and a half. Over under is forty six and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Virginia Tech here. Um, I like what they've done of late. Uh, they turned the corner after what like looked like a horrific start to the season. Uh, I think they're gonna be motivated. Uh, Kentucky they had a pretty nice season really in the SEC. They played some some tough opposition throughout the course of the year. Uh, lost their starting quarterback may not have really hurt them that much um, because Terry Wilson was uh, he was a great runner but he wasn't much of a threat in the passing game um, you know this is this is a situation where you know I think Stoops and his crew are just gonna be a little overmatched by some of this Virginia Tech talent and um, you know I, I'm gonna take a shot on the Hokies here minus two and a half yeah we're opposite on this one too I, I went with Kentucky um, when you see a, a spread this small you know you're you're talking about two evenly matched teams. 
Um, I think Kentucky having some some really good defense. I, I, I'm going to go with the defense. They're number four against the pass in all of college football. So give me that defense um, in a tight game. Uh, next up, Florida State and Arizona State in the Sun Bowl. Um, Arizona State laying four and a half against Florida State. What do you think, Tom? So this one was one of the hardest ones for me to come to my own conclusion with. Um, so I went with two things. One, the Sun Bowl's in Arizona. There's that. And two, Herm Edwards is a better coach. Yeah. So give me Arizona State. I'll lay the four and a half. Is uh, Mike Norvell going to take the helm before the bowl game? That uh, was something that I was not sure of when I was looking at this. I haven't seen anything saying he was. Sometimes the new coach just comes down and kind of watches, and he hasn't yeah. really taken over yet, um, which might be the case here. Um, Florida State's got a lot of talent on that team. Uh, they completely underachieved this season. Uh, Arizona State has had a really nice year. Um, but laying the four and a half, I think that uh, Florida State has enough talent, and they might be excited enough about uh, the new head coach, the new direction. I think that the the message uh, was lost on uh, from Willie Taggart, and I think that this change is going to be a good change for them. Um, I think that they're going to play hard. And Cam Akers, I'm not sure if he's gonna if he's gonna play. Um, I haven't heard anything about him sitting out. Uh, but he's going to be the best player on the field if he's out there. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and take a shot here on the Seminoles. And uh, I I think this game is a really sneaky good game for a couple reasons. Um, I think both teams are on the come up, which you don't always get in bowl games. You know, a lot of times you get a team who has all their seniors and had their took their shot and got as far as they could get. But I think both of these teams are young and and working their way through difficult conferences to move up. So I think both these teams are on the come up, and I think a win for either one could really set them in motion for a lot of pomp and circumstance heading into 2020. Yeah, especially with the coaching change in Florida State. They sure. get a win here in this bowl game. They're going to be excited about next year, and uh, with the talent around there and Norvell's offense, uh, that could be a good group, a fun group to watch next year. Uh, next on the slate, well, we've got a service academy uh, heading Navy, heading to play Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl. That's in Memphis, I'm pretty sure. Um they Navy is minus three against Kansas State, over under 52. Um, myself on this game, uh, give me a service academy with extra time to prep. Uh, I know that a lot of people think the other way on that, you know, giving teams time to prepare for the option attack. Uh, but I think the service academies are something like nine and two straight up and nine and two against the spread in their last 11 bowl games. Uh, this Navy team's been impressive. Uh, I really like what Kenny Matalolo does there. Um, Give me, give me Navy here laying the three. I think that they can, uh, they can really give K State some problems. Yeah, we're we're on the same side here. I think Navy. Uh, this is the best Navy team we've seen in a while. Uh, they're going to win this game outright. I think that their number one rush offense, Kansas State's the 61st rush defense in college football. Uh, all that leads to Navy holding the ball for 40 minutes of the game and and coming away with a win. Yeah, now we've got. Uh, the Arizona Bowl, Wyoming and Georgia State. Uh, this one, you know, I, I don't have a ton on Georgia State, um, but this is a Wyoming team that I know is not a team that I like to give a bunch of points with because yeah. they tend not to get much separation. They play defense. They play pro style. They play slow. And uh, in a situation like that, my bet is going to be on the team getting the points, uh, even if it is Georgia State. All right. The so Panthers, we're, right? Yeah, we're going to be in the opposite of this one, too. 
Um, I don't. I can't say that I've seen Georgia State play at all, but I've seen Wyoming a little bit. They can throw the ball. Um, I'm going to go with Wyoming, getting or giving up the seven, but give give me the bigger school. Yeah. Uh, next we got uh, Utah against Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Um, go ahead, Tom. What's your handicap? So, also, uh, a difficult game for me because you hear Texas Alamo Bowl, you think, how can they lose? Well, they're going to lose. Utah's given up seven, but I think they're way better than Texas. Um, their offense is good. Their defense is good. They're solid everywhere. I, I think they cover the seven um, and then some. So I, I would pick Utah big in this one. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot against you here, and here's why. Massive hangover effect for Utah. This is a team that was one game away from potentially being in the college football playoff. All they had to do was, was win convincingly against Oregon, and there was a real argument for Utah to be in the playoff over Oklahoma. Uh, this is a situation where I know Kyle Whittingham has been unbelievable with Utah. He, he does yeah. a great job getting that team prepared. Um, Tom Herman as an underdog is unreal, though. He, he's got some extra time to prepare as well. Sam Ellinger can sling it around. I think that Oregon showed some deficiencies in that Utah team in the Pac-12 championship game. I think that we're looking at a team now uh, in Texas that has the explosive ability uh, to to run with – to show them athletes that they haven't seen a lot of. Um, and, and this is a situation where I'm going to take a shot that, that Texas can hang in in this game. All right, now we move to New Year's Day. Michigan versus Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. Um, I will start off in uh, Alabama minus seven. Over 58 and a half, and I will start off by saying I, I'm taking Alabama. I think that they're going to take out their aggression on somebody, and unfortunately for Big Blue, it's them. Yeah, you know, Alabama laying the seven. Um, it, it's tough for me because is the backup quarterback, is, is he good enough to score enough points to get separation against a Michigan team? that's been competitive late in the season. They started off really rocky. It was not a great start to the season for Michigan. Right. Um, but does Michigan have any real uh, edge to them? I, my thing is, Shea Patterson is going to have problems with the Alabama defense. I haven't heard much about Alabama guys sitting out here. Um, I think that Michigan's going to struggle to stop the running game with Najee Harris. I think that I'm going to lay the seven with you on this one. All right. Next up, here we go. Here's one that's obviously near and dear to my heart, the Outback Bowl, Minnesota and Auburn. Auburn laying seven over under 53.5. What do you see, Tom? So this is uh, uh, take the take the under, first of all. I, I think we'd say that pretty confidently. Take the under. Both defenses are very good. Um, but with that being said, I just – I believe in Auburn's offense a little more than Minnesota's. I've seen Minnesota's offense go away against some teams that aren't as good um, defensively. This has been the best season for the Gophers in a long time. They beat Penn State. Um, but I, I, I like Auburn. I think they have better athletes. I think with this much time to get ready for that defense, I think they're going to be able to, to turn out enough offense to win this. Yeah, I, I'm a little concerned about, uh, you know, which players are going to sit out and if Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson sit. Um, now you're going to have a defensive line that's relying on guys that 
you know, though they have a great rotation up front, Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson are game changers. Both will be picked in the top two rounds of the draft. Derek Brown probably in the top 15 in the draft. Uh, this Auburn team has been great this year, um, despite the fact that they've got a true freshman playing quarterback and a limited running game. The offensive line was a little bit of a letdown this season. Um, some of the talent that they have at wide receiver didn't emerge the way that they wanted it to. Uh, but I, I really feel like the defense is going to be a little too much for Minnesota to handle. I think that Minnesota could get themselves into some trouble. I think that Gus Malzahn's done a great job keeping this group motivated throughout the year. Their losses this season coming at Florida, at LSU, and against Georgia. Um, you know, this is a team that has had a, a really nice season. Uh, they've beat everybody else on this late. Um, give me Auburn. I'm going to lay the points. Take my boys. All right. Uh, the next one is a very interesting game as well. Oregon versus Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. Wisconsin is now minus two and a half. The over-under is 51 and a half. Where? I mean, I just don't understand why Wisconsin's favorite in this game. I, I don't see it. I, As I watch Oregon this season, their losses have come at Arizona State, which was a, a situation everybody could see it coming. They've struggled in Arizona for whatever reason. You know, whether it be playing the Wildcats or the Sun Devils, they've really struggled in those two stadiums. Um, they lost their tight end, uh, Breland. He's he's a great player. Um, you know, this was early. It, that that contributed to the Arizona State loss, I feel. Uh, I think you've got by far the superior quarterback in Justin Herbert. Um, you know, Jack Cohn's done a nice job, but he's just not – he's not Justin Herbert. Um Oregon has done a really nice job against the run this year. They they when they shut down Utah's running game, that was the difference in that game. Um, offensive line play, Oregon's offensive line is stellar. So is Wisconsin's. So you know it it strength against strength here. Give me the better quarterback and the points. Yeah, I think we see this uh, very similar. Um, both teams had a great season. I mean, Wisconsin two of their three losses were to Ohio State. They had the one at Illinois, but the everything else was beat everyone else. Um, but I, f I feel the same way. I feel when you have two teams you look at, they both play defense. They both w try to run the ball. Give me the quarterback and, you know, the, the two and a half points. I, I don't see why you wouldn't take the points and hope that he can make one or two more plays in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we've got Georgia and Baylor. Um, another New Year's Day game. You know, this is uh, – I know that Baylor had a great season and Matt Rule is a great coach and he's got that team coming up. But Georgia is just so superior talent-wise to that Baylor group. I have no idea where Baylor's points come from in this game. Yeah, Georgia's, Georgia's defense is exceptional. Um I, I feel the same way. I, I saw minus six, and I was surprised that it was that low. I thought it would be a little higher. I thought we'd be looking at 11 and a half. Um, Baylor's good. They're fun to watch. They, they do throw the ball all around, but I, I don't see that really scaring Georgia. <laughs> Not at all. And, you know, that defense is the key to me. Uh, I think Georgia's defense is way better than any other defense than Baylor's seen this year playing in that porous Big 12. Uh, yeah, this is this to me is a big play on Georgia if this stays under seven. Um, the last couple that we have here uh, on January second, we're just going to make a couple of picks here off the cuff. 
Um, the Birmingham Bowl, Boston College at Cincinnati. Cincinnati minus seven. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Boston College in the seven here in this spot. Um, the reason that I'm going to do that is because Boston College has found their offense again. Uh, it was terrible early this season. Uh, they somehow managed to get to where they always get to, which is that you know six and six, seven and five kind of range. AJ Dillon is a is a monster running back on this team. Uh, Cincinnati had a great season, uh, but when I'm getting seven points, I'm going to take Boston College and hope they can hang. Yeah, I think Cincinnati has shown that they're not that good. They win all the games they should win, um, but they lose the ones that are challenges. And I feel like Boston College has enough talent to challenge them. Uh, when you when you all boils down, I want the seven points in this game. I don't necessarily think Boston College is that much better than Cincinnati, but I'd rather have plus seven than minus seven. And finally, the Gator Bowl, uh, January second, seven o'clock, Tennessee and Indiana. What do you have the spread at? I've got it at minus two. Tennessee minus two. Yep, minus two. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Tom. What do you like? So, this one we didn't really prepare for. I'm just kind of looking at some of their stuff right now let me see here indiana i mean who have they beaten no one i don't see anybody on this list let's check tennessee oh it gets worse so i'm gonna take tennessee i'm just gonna take the sec versus the big 10 um it's only two points so you win by field goal your cover um give me the team that's played the better the better opponents uh, they went on a tear at the end of the season as well, so they're riding high. Yeah, and, you know, Indiana played some games really tough this year. They they, they do. They beat all the teams that they're supposed to beat. Yep. Um, the one thing about Indiana is they have a really nice passing game. Their passing game is really nice, and I think they can give Tennessee fits with that passing game. I think this is a big moment for Indiana. They're going to be super excited to be playing in this game. How excited is Tennessee going to be to be playing in the Gator Bowl against Indiana? I'm not sure but it's a good step forward for Jeremy Pruitt in that program. I think you've got, you know, similar motivation here out of both sides. Um, I'm going to take a stab here with Indiana, and, and uh, I think that they've got a shot to win this game, and um, it, it could be groundbreaking for that program to uh, be able to jump out and get their first big bowl win in, in a long time. All right. The picks are in the book. Yeah, and uh, I think the first pod is in the book now. Yeah, the first pod is wrapped up. Um, we should let you know what's on the line for these picks. Uh, so Kevin and I have decided the loser of the college pick'em has to supply the libations for the next podcast. Yeah, and I think next week will be uh, maybe a little boozier than this week because it's you know going to be New Year's Day and uh, oh yeah, we'll be uh, a few hours deep by the time we start the podcast. Yeah, it should be a great time, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff to recap, and we're going to have the games uh, games on while we're while we're doing just like we are here in a in a tremendous game that's going on here <laughs> while we talk 53 seconds left and Pitts trailing by three with the ball uh, looks like they're already in field goal range yeah they are they're they're inside the 25 you know this is this is fun stuff for me so yeah um, I can't wait for next week uh, I'm excited about where we can take this podcast your participation is going to mean everything so uh, find hammered sports on Facebook send us a Facebook message you know follow that uh, you can send a, a tweets to me at my personal uh twitter account it's uh, at kgray junior 99 um uh, you can hit up tom as well i think he's at tabby 11 right yeah i think so yeah, yeah. so it's t-a-b-b-e-y 11 
and it's K Gray G R A Y J R ninety nine. Um, so hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook. Uh, you know, check us out every week. Give us feedback. I'm excited about where we can go with this. Give us suggestions. Yeah. Um, Tom, this has been a great time, right? Yeah, yeah. Next week, guys, we're gonna have NFL playoff previews. We're gonna preview the national championship game. We're gonna do a Vegas line show and go over all the win-loss projections for the NFL teams and how they finished, and then Black Monday reactions, of course. So Yeah, we've got a lot to cover. This is an exciting time of year, and um, I can't wait to see where this podcast takes us, and uh, I'm excited to be able to recap this every week with you. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good night, everybody.